Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Oh, my friends, today we gather here and I speak the name above all names, the name of Jesus, because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our life, our resurrection, our deliverance. And today, from Dayton, Ohio, to the world, we speak the name of Jesus together. Let's praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. For Jesus is the answer and is our only hope today. Well, I'm curious, what, what a beautiful time of worship today. Praise God. Praise God. As we're worshiping t- together, one of the things on my heart today, I was just thinking of the different ways in which we have been brought up in worship. And I'm just curious today by a show of hands, how many were raised in a church in which you raised your hands in worship and praise? How many? Just I see all the Pentecostals in the room today. Yeah. Both guns, right? How many grew up in a church where you never raised your hands in church? I mean, that's just doing, okay, we've got some Baptists here and traditional Methodists. I'm right with you, right? Well, whether it's hands raised like touchdown Jesus, or maybe it's just kind of carrying the fishbowl, or maybe it's hands in prayer, we worship God in spirit and truth. Sometimes I raise my hands because I need rescue down here and my help is up there. And so I raise my hands as if to say, I surrender all. I'm holding up the white flag and I just give you it all today. I give you this week and I give you my life anew and fresh. Whatever you're comfortable with. But today we are going to look at what it means to step out of the comfort zone and to reach people that need to know the love and grace of the Savior. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, the second book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And we are going to find Jesus here teaching the people what it means to be fully committed to reach the world with the good news. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. They're at the Sea of Galilee, and Mark writes this. That day, when evening came, He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Let's pause right there. Underline the phrase, the other side. The other side, as if to suggest that they were on this side or our side. He says, hey gang, we're going over to the other side. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. The place the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has been teaching the multitudes. He is a very popular speaker. People were flocking to Jesus. Two weeks ago, I mentioned that the Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater lake. It's not a large lake. It is a lake at its widest point of seven miles. In length, it's about 13 miles, and so don't think Lake Erie, if you're from Ohio, where you look out beyond Put-in-Bay and you cannot see Canada. 
The fact is, if you were on the western side, which would be the Jewish side of the lake, where the villages of Tiberias and Magdalena, Capernaum to the north, we have a map. That was the western side of the, way, of the lake. Those were where the Jewish communities were located. And you could stand in those villages and you could look across to the other side and see the little villages on the Golan Heights. That was the eastern side. It was a place called the Decapolis of 10 Roman cities. They had the Greek culture in those cities were theaters, secular bathhouses, gymnasiums. They did not follow Jewish custom and Jewish law. On the Jewish side, they strictly followed the Jewish law regarding dietary customs and regulations as well as farming methods. The secular side of Hellenistic Jews, non-religious Jews, or others were individuals in which the religious Jews did not associated, associate with. This was the evil side. This was the other side. I think we have this thought that Palestine was simply full of religious Jews, and that's not the case in the first century. Yes, they were the dominant community, but there were others that lived in the land. And Jesus is calling them to step out of their comfort zone and go to a place that they were not familiar with. In fact, this was known as the dark side or the place of Satan. They worship Baal there and no respectable religious Jew would go there because they would be considered unclean. But look what Jesus did. Chapter five, verse one. They went across the lake to the region of the garrisons. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an unpure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And so here they are, they're going to the side of darkness in their mind, a place they would never go. And look who comes out to greet them as part of the Decapolis welcoming committee a man with an unclean spirit, right? So here we have this image of Jesus leaving the 99 in the fold and going to the one that's lost. Verse three, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? So even the lost sometimes acknowledge Jesus. You know, it takes more than just acknowledging who Jesus is. Even the demons believe and tremble. And here we have this man who's possessed who acknowledges Jesus. In God's name, don't torture me. 
For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. This guy is healed. This guy is delivered in the presence of Jesus. So we have a lot going on here. We have the whole thought to the Jewish reader reading Mark of going to this strange place within their eyesight each day that they would never go, the other side of the lake. The first person that they meet was a scary individual, full of demons, in need of healing. He's rescued by Jesus, and we see the demons going into a pig. There's also all kinds of symbolism going on here in Mark's account. What was the filthiest animal in the Jewish mind? The pig, right? An Orthodox Jew would have nothing to do with pigs. What was a dominant animal on the east side? A pig, right? Where do the demons go? Into a pig. In the Decapolis, the Hellenized Gentiles, they loved the pigs. They worshiped pigs. In fact, Porky Pig was their favorite pet. The three little pigs, that was a good bedtime story. They loved pigs. And so we have this image here. This is our side, God's side. The other side, bad, bad side. Oh, by the way, uh, what were the colors on the good side, on Israel's side? Did you know their colors? Scarlet and gray. What were the colors on the bad side? <laughs> Maize and blue. Forgive me, Michigan fans, right? Forgive me. <laughs> it wasn't the team up north. It was the team out east, right? We don't even speak it, right? Our side, good side. Their side, bad side. Here's what difference makers know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. God in Christ crossed the cosmos. He left the heights of heaven. He went across the lake into Bethlehem, the word became flesh and dwelt among us because of his great love. If Jesus went to the other side, then people of the Jesus movement must also do what? We must go over to the other side and rescue some people. And I say all that to say, we know this, don't we? And we would say, we believe it but it's so hard to live out. We're a nation today in silos. We're a nation that we silo up into our camps and our tribes 
and our political parties. We demonize the other side, and we believe that we're always on the righteous side. It's hard to love people who hurt us. Gingsburg Church, we have a hard time often loving people on the other side. Here's an example. Some of you are aware that I've spent over a decade of ministry learning and growing and ministering in Vietnam. I've traveled there seven times over the last decade, and I have spent months there. I have uh, traveled in over 40 of the 57 provinces of Vietnam, from all the way north to the Chinese border to the Mekong. I remember when I first felt the call to join the Methodist movement over there to work with churches and Uto, who's now the bishop of the Methodist Church in Vietnam. A lot of people welcomed that, but there were a few that were very hesitant because of the war many years ago. And I was very quick to say that I honored those who, who went and total respect and are grateful for those who served our nation well. And we even took some veterans back over for some time of healing and all. One man in particular in a board meeting said, why are you going over there? They're our enemy. And I, I said, well, First of all, this was in 2010 when this conversation, I said, the war has been over for 35 years. I was six years old when the war was over. 80% of those who live in Vietnam today were born after the war. It's a very young country. And if they are our enemies, as you say, what did Jesus say that we are to do with our enemies? Come on, church. Do we know? We are to love them. We are to, to share life with them. And that's very difficult to do. And so we struggle sometimes. God wants to give us an anointing, a blessing of an open door, but we've got to be willing to say, I'm available, and therefore I'm an ambassador for Christ. It's no longer I that live. You know the scripture? But what? The Christ that liveth in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. This is our call, but it's also our Methodist DNA. There are many people here that didn't grow up in that tradition, but let me tell you one story. In my office hangs my favorite painting, here in the office, in this building, by Ken Wyatt, entitled Offer Them Christ. It depicts John Wesley in 1784, commissioning Thomas Coke to America to ordain Francis Asbury, who had already been in the States. He, Francis was from England, but he went there several years before. And of course, Francis Asbury is known as the father of American Methodism. At the time, it was estimated about 1,200 Methodists in the New World. And Wesley was sending Coke over to really begin the full work of evangelism. Now, this was only for the historians in the room three years after the end of the American Revolution. Not 35 years, three years. And Wesley was sending them over to the other side of the lake, over the other side of the pond. Do you get this? To share about Jesus. And God began a movement. In a few short years, this revival took off from 1,200 to over 200,000 
people, became one of the greatest religious movements of this great awakening in the new world. Asbury ordained 700 new preachers, and one of them was named Richard Allen, who was the first black ordained pastor, amen, in the United States. Richard Allen went on to found the AME Church, the African Methodist Church. And of course, thousands of thousands and millions of people have been influenced by that ministry. It all happened because a group of sold out, surrendered people were willing to join with Jesus to go to the other side. Where is God calling us to go to the other side? Could it be to walk across the room and speak to someone in this place? Hey, it's easier in here than it is out there. To walk perhaps across the street to meet a neighbor. To walk across the office. To walk across a political aisle and engage with someone with the love and grace of Jesus. Perhaps it's to pick up a phone and to walk across a relational or family conflict to share God's love, which may be the most difficult to do. I love this scripture from 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Let's read this together so I don't feel like I'm standing up on the stage all alone. Let's read it together. The eyes of God moved from one end of the earth to the other that he might strongly support those who are completely his. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Write that down. So I love this scripture because what it suggests is that it's almost like God is scanning the Miami Valley. God is scanning the earth to see who is sold out, who is totally yielded, who is available for a blessing of an open door in their life, who is available for a blessing to be, to be used by God. May we be that place. We have been that place. But what happened in the past was good for that moment in history. But we live in a new age today. We cannot dwell on what happened, even if it was great in the past. May we be that place. May we speak the name of Jesus today for such a time as this. I want to tell you one more story today out of my own life in which I was taught that that God is looking for people yielded so he may use them for a greater healing. Uh, some of you know that I pastored in Grove City, Ohio for seven years. Grove City is a suburb on the southwest side of Columbus at what we say seven o'clock around 270. Uh, while I was there uh, years ago when I first got there, I, I quickly became friends with the Nazarene associate pastor named Steve. We both rode Harley Davidson, so we had that in common, and he had a little biker ministry there at the NAS that grew and took off. And I quickly learned about his story. Steve had a biker blessing every year where people would come out, and we've had that here in our church, right? You know where the bikers come, and they have a prayer for the season, and it's always kind of a fun time, and they would have that. But after doing that a few years, they said, you know, we're really not reaching unchurched people. And what do we need to do? They prayed, God, where are you leading us? 
how can we go to the other side? And God laid on their hearts a few weeks before this biker blessing, they were to go, just a little group of them, to go out to the bars of Grove City on a Saturday night and invite people to their biker blessing. And Steve smiled and he said, you know, on one Saturday night, we hit six bars and we felt good about it the next morning. <laughs> so the last bar they went, this is true, the last bar they went to was Ernie's Bar on Broadway. That's kind of the main street of Grove City going south on State Route 62. That was a rough bar. Ernie was 44 years old at the time. And he was just kind of a hellion. Didn't go to church, didn't have a desire to follow the things of God in any way, as far as I've been told. But Steve invited him to come, and he was, of course, a big biker, so he just thanked him for coming in. Well, on the day of the blessing, many, many people showed up at the Naz, and to their surprise, guess who came? Ernie. And that was kind of the gossip in the house. I mean, Ernie's here. Ernie's here. Ernie, can you believe it? That he's here. And it was just a great service, like many services, and everybody had a good time. They went home. A couple weeks later, a 21-year-old celebrating her birthday came into the bar, to Ernie's bar. She was talking to Ernie that she had never been on a scooter before. She had never been on a motorcycle before. And it was late that night, and Ernie said, well, hey, if you want to take a ride, I'll give you one. She said, that'd be great. So well, how about right now? He said, well, she said, okay. And so they got on, it was 11 p.m. at night. They got on his motorcycle and they rode two blocks down to the corner of Southwest and Broadway, which is an intersection that I know very well. When I was going to the church from my home every day, I'd go right through this well-known intersection there on Broadway. And they were at a light, and as they were waiting in the light, a drunk driver came up from behind them, hit them, and killed both of them instantly. Devastated not only the family, but the community. Becky, Ernie's sister, not knowing what to do, but needing help, looked up the only pastor that she knew. And who was that? Just the pastor who was just with them a couple weeks ago at the biker blessing. They called Steve and said, Steve, I know you don't really know us, but can we hold the funeral at the church? Steve said, Dennis, it was just surreal. A thousand bikers showed up. And here I was on my Harley Davidson leading this group of people, mostly who felt in their own hearts far from God to the cemetery in Grove City. A month later, Steve was on his Harley and he just so happened to pass Ernie's bar. And he noticed that there was a lot of extra activity. So he decided, you know, I haven't talked to Becky in a month after the funeral. I'll go in and check on her, see what's going on. He pulled in and realized that the people of the bar were pulling in their motorcycles, get this, they had just installed a new wooden dance floor in the bar and they were pulling in their motorcycles and they were doing burnouts on the wooden dance floor and leaving marks. I mean, I just want to tell you, I know that stuff like that doesn't happen in Dayton. It happens in Columbus. Okay. I mean, they're pretty wild over there. And so Steve went in and he saw Becky and she saw him and said, I mean, it was a Steve, thank you for coming. 
this is kind of a special day for us as we're initiating our new dance floor. He said, Steve, I just want to thank you on behalf of our family. We've never had a church and known a pastor to be so loving. We've always felt in the shadow of even the cross so guilty. And yet you offered us grace and hospitality and love. And we just want to thank you. And she said, Steve, would it be okay? Would you want to bring on your motorcycle and leave a mark as well? Steve said, well, you don't have to twist my arm and do that. <laughs> and so he rode his scooter in and he said he left about $20 of his back tire on the dance floor. <laughs> and then they were taking permanent markers and they were signing their names by their mark. <laughs> and he signed his name, Steve. And then he wrote the words, John 3.16. For Jesus left the greatest mark when he came to Bethlehem for you and for me. And I don't know about you, but friends, I wanna leave a mark, amen? I wanna leave a mark for Jesus. I wanna leave a mark. Let's be a church that leaves a mark in this world for Jesus. See, I want more than just holy huddles and even coming on Sunday morning with friends and doing spiritual aerobics. I, I like that. That's my thing. Worship, I love it. But it's not about me. There has to be something more. God is calling us into the zone of the unknown to go to the other side of the pond, to go to the other side of the lake. People are waiting, they're hurting, they need healed. As I said last week, some don't know that they need healed, but they need healed. God is the God of both sides and God wants to use each of us to carry out God's purpose. Are you willing to join God? How many today are willing to leave a mark? How many today would be willing to say, Lord, with my one and only life, would you use me? I'm scared, but you're in the boat with me. <laughs> Let's go to the other side of the lake. Oh Lord, that's our prayer, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. We want more than holy huddles or pep rallies. I thank you for the ways in which you have used this church to change the world, to go to the other side of the world, or even go to the other side of the street. We pray today that there'll be individuals that will see in glory because we're willing to take that step. So use us, Lord, we pray, to always go to the other side where we'll find you at work. This is our prayer, for we pray it now and believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you, and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.